0: Welcome back to Marvel Movie Minutes, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one-minute segments, and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco. Kyle. Yes, sir.
1: You know, um, as everyone who listens to this show knows, sometimes we go down rabbit holes.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we pick something out from the minute and we try to explore it. With the old government, we're trying to bring you to culture. We're trying to make you aware of the amazing right. world and history around us. So the
0: term rabbit hole actually comes from Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, it, well, <laughs> I was about to take okay. you a rabbit hole
0: down the rabbit hole, but go ahead. Well, prepare yourself,
1: because let me let me go down a really deep rabbit hole on something. Jack Kerouac. Oh. He is a 20th century American novelist. He is a pioneer of the Beat Generation, of which he coined the phrase. The Beat Generation was a literary movement. It was started by him and a few other authors. They influenced American culture in post-World War II America. Beat, as the word there, the Beat Generation, it came from a lot of different sources. It was a, a sort of a slang word for the world of hustlers and drug addicts and thieves. And this is where Kerouac and other authors like Allen Ginsberg, they sought a lot of inspiration from these people. Um, It also is slang for beaten down or downtrodden. However, in the way that these authors meant it, it was none of those things. It was short for beatitudes, as in supreme blessedness. This comes from the Sermon on the Mount, from the Gospel of Matthew. That's where they actually took their inspiration from for the term. So basically a shortened version of Beatitudes. And so you get this term, the beat generation. Um, This connects to columnist Herb Cain, who in a San Francisco Chronicle article in 1958 coined the term beatnik. Beatnik was a media stereotype in the late 1950s and 60s that it was the more caricature version of the beat generation. And we all know everyone's favorite beatnik. Yes, that's right. Junk owner and beatnik artist, Dean McCoppin.
0: Oh, no. That's the second most famous, but go ahead. Oh, who's the Who's your Who's your number, uh, one? number one? The number one beatnik is, of course, Maynard G. Krebs from oh. The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, played by okay. Bob Denver, who would go on to play Gilligan. Okay. And the inspiration You're, for why I had that. a goatee get- for like 20 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. All right. You get that. <laughs> the second the one second is Dean the second most
0: Mac- famous. Go Second
1: ahead. most famous beatnik is Dean and played by Harry Connick Jr. And of course, the beloved Brad Bird animated epic, The Iron Giant. That's based on a book by Ted Hughes, which you really should not read. Just watch the movie because. Yes. probably Anyway, so he's a beatnik because Brad Bird thought this was a member of the beat generation and he would sort of see he would be in this small town that was threatened by this thing. He would be the first to realize that the giant is no threat. Let's move on. So we go to this <laughs> youth movement in the United States during the mid 1960s, right? And this all came out of the Beat Generation. And we go to another term. This is another thing. In 1904, there was a novel by George Hobart where a character uses the slang phrase, Are you hip? Hmm. And that led to the term hipster. That was coined by Harry Gibson, who was a jazz pianist, singer, and songwriter in 1944. All of this is merging together to the early 1960s, Greenwich Village, New York City, where young counterculture advocates were named hipsters because they were considered to be in the know and cool. And then finally, on April 27th, 1961, in an issue of The Village Voice, in an article titled An Open Letter to JFK and Fidel Castro, Norman Mailer mentions the term hippies in questioning JFK's behavior. A hippie is the member of the youth-led counterculture movement of the 1960s. And that, my friends, (laughs) it's it's a ridiculous way to get around to describing a word that is used in this minute.
0: (laughs) That's right. And through all that, I didn't even mention the fact that Jack Kerouac was inspiration for Hey Jack Kerouac, a song by 10,000 Maniacs. Because here we are, deep down the rabbit hole, spiraling back up at minute 72, which is not about any of that kind of stuff. It's just about guns here. Yeah, I mean, Uh,
1: do you like how
0: that was just totally opposite ends of the world? Anyway, that's why you listen to the the show. That's right. Because we take you into the peace movement and then straight to gun porn, because that's what this whole minute is uh for <laughs> as we talk about Iron Man 2 for 2010 directed by John Favreau. Um so we here we are uh in the midst of Hammer's big speech. So like he's basically laying out all these right. cool weapons that he's he's trying to see which one Rhodey wants to put onto this armor that they're the the Iron Man armor that was acquired From Tony Stark. Lent
1: Uh, on loan.
0: (laughs) loan, When you you loan someone something, you don't expect them to fully strip it down, rip the... If you lend someone your computer, you know, if you lend someone your... your, And it comes back with a different operating system and has a bunch of attachments welded onto it... Yeah. Oh, no. it's theirs now <laughs> yeah it's true so uh, we're in the midst of the spiel so he had just talked about uh, the, the pistol so he talked about the 9mm pistol so now um, he's he gets no reaction this is what I love about this right. whole scene is that he lays something out and Rhodey and Major Allen give nothing they just stand there and sort of like you don't. Even, I mean they barely give him a nod just sort of like they're just taking it in like uh-huh what else uh-huh what else uh, so uh, it, they had no reaction to the the uh, the, uh, the original gun that they, they mentioned the Claridge high-tech semi-automatic 9mm pistol uh, so he when he when Hammer sees no reaction he says to downtown I agree which kinda racist
1: yeah that's a little ridiculous <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so he moves on. uh, uh upping upping the uh the, the power level here. So he he calls out the M24 shotgun pump action 5 round magazine. Uh so this is actually the M26 modular accessory shotgun system. Uh this is one that is unc- incorrectly referred to as an M24. Uh he also indescri- incorrectly describes shotgun as a pump action when in reality it is a straight pull bolt action. And there actually is a reason why Sam Rockwell says this, and I'm going to get to it at the end of this minute. So, I, even those those fans who are not big fans of guns, there's a reason to stay around, because this is interesting how they put this together. So, uh, he moves on, and he says, you know what? You're not a hunter. What am I talking about? Which, who in the world is hunting with an, <laughs> an M26 shotgun?
1: <laughs> Somebody somewhere,
0: yeah. but anyway. Man, <laughs> those those geese are in trouble now. Yeah, they won't really. cause any more problems. Um." He says, what am I talking about? I'm getting rid of it. This is the FN-2000 from Belgium. They do make something better than waffles. It's beautiful. So this is actually the FN-F2000 Tactical Assault Rifle. Uh, we, The version we see here is equipped with a Trijagon ACOG mounted on it. It's referred to as FN-2000, but uh, it's actually the FN-F2000, as we all know. Uh, as we move on, he says, still no reaction from them. They just look at it and like, mm-hmm great so he says but i can tell this isn't disco enough for you (laughs) i I don't think i've ever heard that particular way of using disco that in this particular grammatical context
1: and you know we could have picked any single one of these references and done a whole deep dive on them right exactly this one started in
0: 1979 well
1: i mean Is that like a reference to like I don't know
0: like Belgian I don't know like no I think I think it was just like a a fun turn of phrase that they not disco enough not disco enough (laughs) yeah. <laughs> oh, so, and, and as he's going through, he's also laying these weapons out. So, there's like a, a metal table there, maybe the snap on table. We're not exactly sure. Uh, laying them out one by one after they're like, Oh, you interested in this? Okay. And he just sets it down. And so, we see them all right. sort of laid out there one by one as he does. He says, So, I'm going to put it right here. You're looking, and then he the next thing he pulls up. You're looking at a MiCorp 40 millimeter grenade launcher, tear gas, smoke, hippie control, which is where we get back to Rob's we're- intro.
1: Of course, hippie control. Like, what would you, what would that mean? And I'm sure there's some people watching this and like, what are you talking about? Like, hippie. what does that mean? Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's, and here's what he's doing. Cause he's taking he, he's stuff. You to the audience is what he's doing. He's exa- And you know what? He's just trying to intersperse. And I have, we probably have all done this. When you're in a tough audience, you really start to get desperate in your uh-huh. comedy pools to try to emote emotion. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yes.
0: <laughs> I have so, a story about that, but I'll, I'll get to here at the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, look. I get
1: it. I mean, I totally can understand this. And like we said, was we've noted, some of his stuff is funnier than others. Some of it probably crosses the line of appropriateness, but okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this this weapon he shows is actually the MGL-MK1. It uh, has a longer 140 millimeter cylinder to fit special purpose grenades such as tear gas and less than lethal impact rounds, which I think we've learned that uh, less than lethal is dependent on how you use them. But let's move on. Uh, This has been used in all the Transformers movies, which means Michael Bay is a big fan of how it looks. And this is not its last appearance in the MCU. Rob, do you know where we're going to see the MGL-MK1 again? And perhaps in whose hands we might be doing it? Oh, no. And when I say hands, I'm being generous because he only has one actual hand. Oh, this is the Winter Soldier? The Winter Soldier. When we see him walking along the side, shooting from the grenade launcher, this is the grenade launcher that he uses. Perhaps it was Hammer Tech. Awesome, but it's the same, basically the same model. Uh, So uh, they again, no reaction. So it's like okay. So you like, like like, there's a point like they would have them like pat his brow like, whoo, okay. he says, You're tough. let me tell you something, size does matter, don't let anyone tell you different. This is the M134 7.2 minigun, six individual barrels, the torso taker, powder maker. Our boys in uniform call it Uncle Gazpacho, or Puff the Magic Dragon, which, okay, 1st let's just break that down. So, yeah, the torso <laughs> taker, wow, I mean, wow, powder maker. Whew, that means uh, whatever what? you is in front of this When it goes off Is going to be turned to powder Obliterated <laughs> Yeah, any human being It will take their torso right out Yow. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so this is actually, the, this is actually the, so this is the M134 minigun. Um, he says that the boys, the boys uniform referred to as Uncle Gazpacho or Puffman Dragon. That's not true. Actually, the Puffman Dragon was a dictate given to the AC 47 gunships that carried miniguns like this, but not this exact kind of model. Uh, so also how we know this is, this is not real is that we see him picking up. Well, an actual uh, M134 minigun weighs about 60 pounds. So Justin Hammer's not gonna one hand this thing. Yeah, like right. this is basically like, hey guys, can you bring that in here and set it down? And it would clunk when it hit the table. So this whole like casually like th- swinging it around thing, mm. yeah, not really good. Yeah, he's happen.
1: not doing that. Can can we also talk about how just unbelievably creepy yet beautifully Sam Rockwell delivers the size matters line? <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah, like 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 I want to like we all know this. Like he wants to make sure that everyone's hearing him. Like you guys. We know this, right? <laughs> but, I mean, it does so well. I mean, this is so, this is all Sam Rockwell, man. Yeah. He
1: is just rips it apart this. He is in this. I firing
0: it. all cylinders in this. Like, this entire minute is just him talking. Yes. From top to bottom, nonstop. Um, so, then he, he, he pivots away from that, and he says, okay these are the Cubans, baby, and he brings out this very small case, like this very special hammer design case with clasps and everything, and opens it up and brings out these sort of large mini-rockets or either incredibly large shells, and he says, these are the Cubans, baby, these are the Cohibas, the Monte Cristos. Uh, So, and we're not going to do a deep dive about about uh, about cigars, but just to say right. the big thing about cigars, for those of you who don't know, is that for a long time there was a, an embargo with, against Cuba because Cuba was a communist country. So Cuba was where the best cigars came from. So getting cigars out of Cuba became a huge thing. And so if you could, if you had cigars, you were not supposed to have them. So it became a status symbol amongst the ultra-rich, ultra-elite that they had Cuban cigars because they legally couldn't acquire them. Uh, because of that thing, so now things are lighter now. I think because we're we're on much much uh, better terms at, at, in the in the post Fidel Castro era, uh, but so but they still carry that sort of brand recognition thing of like, if you want to have real good cigars, you have to have the ones from Cuba. Uh, So that's what he's saying here. Basically, these are ultra rare, ultra premium. These are the things that not everybody gets to experience, but he's giving out the good stuff just for these guys. And he says, and he starts to talk about it. He says, this is a kinetic kill sidewinder vehicle with a secondary cycle trimethyl... Oh boy. I don't even know. I I have it written down and I still can't even get through the whole thing. I don't know how Sam Rockwald got it. So psychotrimethylene tritinamide. And that unfortunately is where that minute comes to an end. Uh, because before he finishes the rest of that sentence, which we get another one. So a couple things to talk about here. All right. So first of all, um I've been in these in, the, in these kind of uh, situations where uh, the audience is giving you absolutely nothing. So, in one of my jobs in previous, I was a technology trainer, so I had to give presentations on whatever the, the they wanted to roll out. And one of the things that we were rolling out at the time was uh, Google Drive. So these are te- these, I was giving to a bunch of teachers, and they were talking about Google Drive, and basically I was explaining the benefits because the great thing about Google Drive for education is it's free and it gives you tons of awesome stuff including unlimited storage on your Google drive it's it's uh, you know for the price you pay it's amazing because the price is nothing so I had a whole thing I would go down I had I had jokes in it I had uh, activities I had all of this stuff and it would last about 40 minutes. Uh, so, and just going through, da, 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 da show you this, show you this, let me show you, and I had presentation, I had slides, I had interactive stuff, blah-blah-blah-blah. So, I, I went to a school and rolled it out, and teachers were super excited, and I had to stay an extra, like, 15 minutes, because they had so many questions. What about this? Can I do this? Can I do that? Let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. And then I went to the next school, and, they, like, there was a little moderate thing, but it was the same kind of thing. They got excited about it, they were doing it, they were asking me questions, I would give them my, my, my contact information so they could contact me about this. Then I got to the third school, <laughs> oh, boy. and first of all, no air conditioning was going, and this is in the heat of Arizona summer. Oh, no. I was coming at the end of three hours of training. I was the oh. last one there. Oh, no. So I walk into a group of hot, sweaty, bored teachers, and I was like, okay, well, my job is to get go, walk you through this, so here we go. And I started a thing, and I did my first thing, and I, and I did my first, like, my first line, which was a, a guaranteed chuckle. And got crickets. I was like, oh boy. So I'm like, okay, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I need to get this to you. So here we go. And I did my 40 minute presentation in 15 minutes. And I yeah. was back at my desk before my scheduled end time. <laughs> yeah. It was like, okay, we're just going to muscle through this because I'm not even going to pause to do anything because you guys are not going to respond to any of it. And then, you know, one of the big later. things. Yeah. I,
1: okay. You, you we both do a lot of presenting in our line of work. Yeah. And one of the things you got to know is I would tell anybody is know your audience like that. Yeah. I and mean, that's the number one thing. And yes, you can prepare for that yeah. in advance, but sometimes you have to make an assessment, like in the 15 seconds, you walk in the room and take the stage. Right. That's right. You, you have to kind of know what's going on. You've got to be able to pivot because yeah. this is the quarterback situations
0: because you're on the field and you're seeing something different than people on the outside. E- exactly. I mean, it's an audible. You yes. got to choose something. You got to roll because if you don't do
1: that and you just do your spiel without caring, it goes really, really bad. Yeah. Let's just say not from experience, maybe, but I've, I've, I've heard,
0: I can say from experience. Oh, yeah, it
1: goes horribly <laughs> bad. And this is a situation where I think. He had his spiel. I mean, I think it's I don't I don't necessarily know if it's they're saying that this was his canned readiness or this is just his witticisms as he's doing it. But I mean, clearly he had an idea he was going to work himself up to this little tiny single rocket. And by the way, when we talk about the case yeah. it, for, in terms of the props, it's literally just one of those like watertight mm-hmm. e- equipment cases you can buy on Amazon. Right. It's a plastic yeah. one. Black. I got one
0: of those for my uh, my portable audio recorder. Exactly. And it's very cool. It gives this impression like, oh, my God, this
1: is something so important. It needs some case foam and foam in it. Right. And he pulls out this single little thing. And of course, we've got to note that all of this scene is the setting up of a particularly funny moment that will come. Near yeah. the end of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, which I, I actually have done a little research on, so I have, I have a big note on that. But, nice. so Rob, like, when you do these kind of presentations, just like I have, the important thing is preparation, right? Like you have yes. all of your stuff prepared, you've memorized everything, you have everything exactly that you want it. What if I was to tell you that Sam Rockwell did none of that? Because in this scene, everything he's saying was not memorized, but it was an improv. Here's where you 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 separate the men from the boys, uh, oh, because what they decided to do is because there was so much all these all this technology all these very specific terms all of these brand names all these things is that they decided instead of giving him a list and having him memorize it and do it, they gave him an earwig instead. <gasps> so in this scene, in his ear. Is a small radio transceiver. On the other end is screenwriter Justin Thoreau feeding him this information and he is just reciting it. What? So in his ear, he's saying, All right, this is the M762 minigun, six (laughs) individual barrels. And then (laughs) Justin was like, All right, let me tell you what this thing is right here. And so he's doing, and so this whole scene is done by them whispering in his ear and then him doing it as if he is saying it right off the top of his head. That's pretty impressive. It's because, pretty impressive and also exceedingly cruel to an actor. <laughs> well, no, I, I was going to say like, okay, he, not everyone could do that.
1: Not everyone could do that. And here's, guess what? Here's the thing. You know, who's the, the rare breed of people that can do that? News anchors. True. Because what people don't realize is when you watch like a newscast, the person talking to the camera has someone sometimes screaming in their ear, their producer (laughs) telling them stuff like Like, as it's happening. (laughs) So that's really impressive. To for him to perform at that level, because this yeah. is such
0: a great scene. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Scene I mean, obviously, for, it's editing, so you can see they're cutting the thing right. but like all these things like he did not memorize all of the stuff, you know, every 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 millimeter, every brand name, everything like all that was just being fed to him through his ear. Well, no, that's you know, that's a really good
1: point with all the cuts. Yeah. There's a lot of editing you could do where he it he doesn't have to do this in one take. Right, he can just keep doing. Oh my God, it would be so funny to just watch. I'm sure the three hours it took to get this.
0: Exactly, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure there's like a lot of different models and stuff that they didn't even use. You know, there could have been all these other different. Yeah, exactly. And and what he comes up with in the moment. Oh, you gotta hope. You know, like was the size doesn't matter. Was that was that Sam Rockwell just ripping off of the fact that he's gonna bring out a big gun? Just messing around, probably. Oh, and you know that Don Cheadle's laughing at some point, right? Because John Gio's got the easiest job in the world in this scene. Well, I say it I won't say the easiest job because he has to not laugh. Right. No right. matter what ridiculous stuff Sam Rockwell comes up with, he cannot react.
1: Oh, geez.
0: But yeah. I mean, that's
1: why wow, that's amazing, though, to think that that's how I mean, in this situation. And I guess that's good because, as you know, when you're making a movie, mm-hmm. you don't have to do these one shot scenes. I mean, you can break all this up and just get the components that you want. Right. Which, by the way, putting that all together. That's a little spoiler for a soon to come minute in the Marvel movie. Minute Ooh. we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've no. What's rare when we uh, foreshadow a future minute. I know. Definitely right? have to tune in. One other thing to note is when they do the close up of him holding the the Cuban little mm-hmm. the little miniature missile, we see another element of his ridiculousness in that. Yes, his initials are embroidered. <laughs> on his french cuffs <laughs> which i mean okay
0: <laughs>
1: uh, of course cool. they would be <laughs> of course they are on his tailored shirt uh-huh. that
0: probably is 700
1: <laughs> so anyway
0: i love it um, and that's where the minute comes to an end right in the middle of that sentence so we're not going to hear uh what comes after that very long very chemical term uh until minute 73 uh but while you're waiting uh Maybe you should uh, join us on Discord. We've got a whole Discord server set up with all of our different shows and talking about all the different things. Uh, You can go to nextdoor.com, scroll to the bottom, find the Discord link, click on over. It's free to join. Uh, And we have our own dedicated Marvel Movie Minute channel that you can get into but you can also jump into any of the discussions you want to if you want to talk about movies you want to go to television award shows that's a big one for some reason um there's oh, there's i, I don't know everybody <laughs> for loves some a trophy reason. <laughs> everybody loves a trophy um so you can get into that and so it's you can we're, we're there so you can uh contact us to talk about stuff and it's a good way to fill your time while you're waiting for the next episode to drop Excellent. and we'd be happy to have you So make sure you're back here for Minute 73 as we finish off and find out what is that Cuban-esque thing that he is holding in his hand, uh, and what does it have to do with a 1922 novel? Uh, You're going to find out in Minute 73. Enough said. Bye.